can't wait for Meg to tell us about that song, where she found it, who the artist was, and our resident expert song uh, band song guesser. I didn't see one person guess the song, which is awesome. Yeah, that we have... Chuck. Yeah, this is Chuck's genre, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we, what is his genre? What would you call his genre? Okay, okay, everybody, everybody, help me out here. Last week, Chuck was yellow, so we asked him to pick our closing song, and he picked "Live and Let Die." For the community, I made an assumption that he meant Guns N' Roses. Who can tell me the OG that I did not pick? That's not the original, of course, of that song, but I think Chuck is a GNR guy. <laughs> Who is the original Live and Let Die? And should I have played that for Chuck instead? Well, I know the answer because <laughs> I was trying to find the song on the fly. And that's why I one to play. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, which one do I pick? Which one do I pick? Paul, yeah, Paul. Of course, Meg. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was uh, a little bit embarrassed with my uh, lack of social knowledge. Uh, wings, wings, exactly. Oh my God, what a great band. Nona. Very cool. So happy Friday, everyone. Uh, Friday, August 5th. Really, really excited that uh, you guys are here. Um, for those of you new, uh, we'll start usual as usual. Let us know that you're new. If you're first time here, really, really appreciate it. Uh, well, look at that audience, 2465. Um, based on our growth, we'll be at that 2500 number, I think, next week. So uh, um, good, good stuff, you guys. That community continues to grow. Um, once again, let us know if you're new. Um, just really, really quick for those of you new to the community. Um, this is a community that Jess and I and LeapGen started the day after the pandemic began. Um, so I believe... And I someday I'm just going to write down the episode number um, <laughs> that we're on. I think it's 115, 116. We do have a resident expert who keeps track of the analytics for us. Uh, but, um, you know, we started the day after the pandemic as a way to, to talk, for a way to feel, for a way to understand where people were at. And... Um, We've been doing it every Friday ever since, and the communities continue to grow. And uh, we've had people that have um, been dating that they met in the community. We've had people that have uh, found um, jobs. You know, found jobs for sure. We've had people that we've hired. We've had people that uh, um, you know have had some tragic things happen in their lives that they've shared and gotten through based on the community here. So the reason we call it now is the now of work. Um, we all live at a moment of now that deals with different things dealt to us and we deal with every single day and uh, this is designed to be that safe space to come talk to and uh, talk about no weddings yet exactly but steve i have some insider information on a wedding that i can't share but uh i think there may be one so uh yes there may Are be they a wedding do it on our show <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you. They're going to do that shit on our show. <laughs> that was funny. Um, yes, yes. Oh, look at this. And this is a job. Look at this. Yep. I'm looking for a learning and talent development role. Uh, oh, Anne's looking. I can't tell if she's looking for a job for her or if she's looking for someone. Mm. Um, Neaton, welcome. Um, yeah. Yes. Every time we have a guest speaker like Meg, we always get a great uh, number of people. So you guys, Anne, to let us know if you're looking oh, for yourself. Awesome. awesome okay. Good to know, Anne. Thank you for putting yourself out there in the community. Um, Click on that green button, Anne. Join our Slack community. There's a jobs channel in the Slack community. You guys, if you're hiring, go post your jobs in there. If you're looking, go put yourself in there. This community is like crazy. Um, in the way yeah, that we and, take care of each other and connect. And, and we just, with, in, within LeapGen, we just started a, a talent community of our own um, that we're, you know, actually doing skills and knowledge as a service, SCAS, to uh, our clients as well. So there may be an opportunity there as well. So, uh, yeah, great to connect, Anne. Um, so, sorry, got a little off track there. Um, the other thing that we do, and we it's a really important uh, part of this get-together, is to check in. Um, one of the things that we said is that we have to stop checking up on people, just checking up on them. And are you at work? What are you doing? And really focus on checking in on people and how they are. Um, you guys all know, look at Anne's already getting connections. This is awesome. Um, you, you, you already, 
for those of you who've been here, you know what the question is. It's a simple question. It's how are you? Green, yellow, red. Green, it's great. I feel great today. I've had a great week. Yellow, so-so. Uh, had some ups and downs, and I'm, I'm joining this, and I'm being open and saying yellow. Uh, and then red, uh, not great today. And once again, it's really important that we talk about that. Just the fact that you say you're red is really, really important to acknowledge that and know that you need to do something around those areas. So we've got some greens. We've got some greens. We have an orange. Um, that be like That's probably like a leap gen orange type thing. Um, green was yellow, but oh, awesome. I love the fact that music music does the same thing, Meg, uh, to me. So, at which, by the I way, I, we have to hear the story. Greener by the minute. Awesome. Our goal is to always, you know, if nothing else that we can do for the world in a community in an hour is turn someone like Alicia or turn someone like Lisa, just even if it's not green, a little bit greener, um, you know, just by by doing this. So thank you guys for uh, being here. Uh, Jess, how's your week? So it was one of those weeks where I had to be like precision was everything. No wasted movements, no wasted minutes, so much to do, so little time. Uh, I've got a diverse daisies event tomorrow, which is the nonprofit oh. for girls I run. I've got my race to, in a week. In a week, I'll miss you all next You're week. You're not going to be race. here. I know. Even though we're going to, just like I did the baseball thing, we're going to try to get you while you're running. I'll try to join. I tried last year during the same race and my connection was poor. I'm going to try to pop in and say hi and show you guys a 200 mile race course. I have no idea how far I'll be at that point of the day racing 200 miles in two days with the team. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, busy week. I uh, had the opportunity to spend a good chunk of time in Chicago this week um, with some clients as well as I did a course on entrepreneurship um, at the Booth School in uh, Chicago, which was fascinating. Um, and I think one of the really interesting questions that I was asked that I just wanted to share with this community was someone said, as a leader, what level do you play at? And I actually had to ask, I had to ask for clarification of the question, like, what do you mean, what level do, do I play at? They're like, like, are you a hundred thousand foot leader or are you a five foot leader and weirdly without actually thinking about it i said both i said but where i try not to play is in the middle i try not to play in the middle because in the middle is ambiguity so how do you focus on the top set vision and strategy whether that be a ceo or whether you're a department lead but then how do you swoop in when it makes sense to be able to get to that level of detail but when you're in the middle, and actually it's funny the number of people said, wow, that was brilliant. I'm like, I kind of just made it up as I as I went. Um, it, when you're in the middle, it causes role confusion. So, you know, for me, wh whether that's uh, in a parenting situation, you know, whether that's in a partnering situation, whether that's in a work situation, I think it's really important that we know what our lanes are and we know where we play, when to play at X level, and when to play at Z level. So anyway, just wanted to uh, throw that out there. That's been a big part of my, <laughs> Nick, Nick, yeah. um, that, that was a big part of my week. And uh, I always enjoy like giving back and teaching. Um, <laughs> Sharon, let me say that again. Uh, sorry, Sharon. It was, yeah, so right. just really quickly, um, like either you play at the 100,000 foot level and then when it makes sense, you sweep down to the five foot level. But when you play in the middle, it causes nothing but ambiguity because people mm. think, oh, you're always going to make be there to step in or you're always going to be there to micromanage or whatever it is. It's, how do you set vision and direction and truly trust your people, your partners, your family? And then when they need support or when you need to get to that five foot level, you can get in, help, not fix, help, guide, and then swoop back out. Um, and if you stay at the five foot level, you're going to be in a big trouble as well. Oh, Steven. Hey, Steven. I love when Steven's here. Um, so anyway, that was my week. Um, uh, besides getting caught in a thunderstorm in Chicago 
And if anyone travels right now, traveling is a bear. Just be mm. ready for that. I uh, was in the Chicago airport yesterday. I was like, what the heck? Where are all these people coming from? Um, I think that's a know. mindset we're still shaking, don't you think? Or was it legit? I think, <laughs> no. I actually think that there's just more people right now traveling. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, I, I look on social media, everybody is traveling. Everybody's taking their summer vacations. Everybody is making up for lost time. I love it. Yeah, the other thing I'll just, uh, that I think was really interesting, and this is gonna sound first world problem, so I apologize, but when the Sky Club, oh, there's Meg, hey. When the <laughs> Sky Club line to like find a place to sit because I travel so much is longer than the security line, you've got some sort of a problem <laughs> here. Uh, clubs and award systems as well but uh yeah yeah so anyway all good meg how are you i am doing quite well thanks for uh including me on this it's definitely the green part of my day it is so good <laughs> to have you and uh like i could just have a whole conversation with you about your background and your <laughs> uh, without, without even going into your mind she but uh, medals on that top shelf I like Look i could medals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't have any gifts of running, Jess. I'm run only when chased kind of girl. Those are patents primarily and a few tombstones. So. Oh, wow. Oh, 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 do you see that? Oh, just patents. Nerd alert. I, yeah. <laughs> I just got this dumb neon sign and a fake plant. So um, the fact that you've got patents, that's awesome. So um, <laughs> Steve, Stevens. That's very nice, Steve. Um, uh, Brian just asked if he'll see you in Vegas next month. I am absolutely in Vegas. We have both Success Connect and HR Tech. So I am looking to get hugs from everyone in the community in Vegas and hopefully no COVID. So, um, but I'm in for the hugs if you guys are up for it. Yeah, Meg, oh. you know, last time, oh, Brian just logged in to thank Meg for her leadership. Look at that. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys are all familiar with that, right? Yeah, um, I'm not sure. So thank you for your leadership is a very important hashtag. Everyone should know it's basically mocking the absurdity of leadership in the best of irony. So um, I appreciate you, Brian, and appreciate your leadership as well. <laughs> you know, Meg, the last time I was in Vegas, I did get COVID. Um, oh, dear. And it, it gave a whole new definition to what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Uh, it came back with me. So I hope that all the hugs. Um, yeah, I got COVID in uh, Florida, which is another great place to uh, to get COVID. So, uh, <laughs> so um, sure I would love, Meg, one of the, I'd love to start with you as a human um, and just giving the audience a little about your background, your journey, if your parents raised you to be, you know, who you are today in HR and an HR technologist. Um, which you're much more than that, by the way, but you know, all of that stuff, just start with your background. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I joke sometimes saying I was raised by wolves. I wasn't actually raised by wolves, but I am first generation uh, in my family to go to college, first to have a professional job. And I have been in tech since the beginning, over 30 years, although I don't tend to share that. So that's just between us. Um, mm -hmm. Because of course, at some point, you have to start clicking back as opposed to up in your years of experience. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, what I'm about, what I'm passionate about is really creating opportunity and creating um, momentum with technology. So I've been fortunate to be very grounded in enterprise and large business. And then I'm also really, um, you know, my entire journey has been about technology transformations and disruptions. And so I, I like to bring those two things together and think about where are the possibilities, where are the opportunities, where can the future take us? And is that a place I want to be as an individual? So who I am is very much grounded in this idea that just because we've done something a certain way in the past does not mean that that has to be how we do it in the future. And there is opportunity for human innovation and human connection across any part of that journey. Yeah, that's that. beautiful. I love this first gen graduate thing. Um, you know, it's something that, 
you know, I'm I'm just going to say that I've um, learned to love over time. I take it for granted. My mom was an educator, so I was I was I had to go to school because she had because she went to school. Um, but you know, the fact look at this: the first gen, first gen, like yeah. that's awesome. I was in the, a taxi in Chicago yesterday where the the taxi driver was so proud of his 21 year old son yes. for being a first gen graduate, yes. and I take it for granted. But I, and I. I can't, I shouldn't, because that's such an important grounding point. And it's not bragging. It's just yeah, a, it's it, an amazing shift took, in, in how it took, me a long time, it took me a long time to decide how I felt about it. And initially, you know, you, you want to fit in. So you say, oh, you don't, you don't bring it up. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like it is an important part about me, but it's much, much more important, especially as we talk about diversity and women in tech. It's really important for me to say these things because it makes yeah. it clear to people that there really is opportunity and that it can be a great thing to bring the diversity that I have, which is about you know economic disadvantage and um, you know being the first in a professional situation. These are things that inform how I look at the world and technology and opportunity in general. I love that. Look, look um, at all the first gens. Yeah. Look and at, I think some, some all of us have very proud parents, I should say, to your point, this is a big deal. Our parents worked really hard and sometimes even our grandparents to give us this opportunity. Um, and it was, you know, it's a lot harder to do it First, I will say that uh, just generally. And you have to break these barriers, Meg, if you're going to get fresh voices, fresh perspective, a new way of thinking into the conversation. You have to find and elevate those voices in different places than we're used to looking. And it's not just finding them, it's giving, it's again, elevating, it's giving them a platform to be heard. Exactly. <laughs> step into conversation. To that inclusion piece, like the point yeah. of diverse points of view is not just for optics. It's for ideas. It's for perspective taking. It's for, um, you know, frankly, again, the, the passion that I'm all about, which is making work better, changing yeah. the future of work for all of us, not just for a single segment, but for um, for the broader segment. Yeah. So make and what a time Oh, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> Jess, you're gonna you have to raise your hand if you have a question today, please, because I have so many questions for Meg that I'm not gonna, you're not gonna get a word in edgewise. Um, yeah. so you need to raise your hand. Um, okay. Let me just do this quick. It's not gonna be that. Well, actually, Jess, go ahead. Mine's bigger. No, yours is what? I think mine's okay. gonna be bigger. Okay. Well, we'll see. Now we're gonna take her down two branches of the tree. But I okay. Let me do mine then. Let me do mine. Let me do mine. We're gonna fight over Meg. Meg, are like there's a there's a there's a green button here that says connect with Meg Bear on Twitter. And I, of course, I'm already connected with you. You and I have early morning tweets. Like I know where you live, and you're up way earlier than me. Um, so we do have early morning tweet sessions, but. You have an amazingly huge job at Success Factors, SAP Success Factors, which is running a product line. And that product line is responsible for everything from making people feel like they belong at work to getting payroll done. Which is an important part of belonging at work, for the record. Yes. It totally <laughs> is. But if you think about the if you think about what we're doing, where it's a yeah. combination of very tactical things that are important to that bigger message about belonging at work. So, you know, as you think about your product strategy and how do you do that, <laughs> to be clear, 222 million lives. Thank you, Jess. Small job. But when you think about that, how do you blend that? It's like, how do you make sure that, you know, we focus on having a great product that meets the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but at the same time, you're responsible for creating the future of work. So yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so you're right. This is a very big topic, but actually it's quite simple. So it starts with the vision and grounding all of us in the vision. And the vision is about putting people at the center of business to help business thrive, right? 
So that creates the anchor, the truth, the purpose that we all understand and drive towards. The second piece, of course, is that we have global, amazing customers. And I know your big point, Jason, is it's not just about the technology, it's about doing something. It's about making something happen. Our customers have, you know, are, are truly delivering every single day real impact to their business. And every part on that value chain, whether it's benefits and core HR, time management, whether it's payroll, whether it is these, you know, sort of more individualized things around upskilling and reskilling, each of these pieces are key because our customers are not doing it for technology. They're doing it for their business. They're doing it for their people. And so this helps inform us not only on how we prioritize, but it also helps us make sure we're staying focused on outcomes and delivery. It helps us understand that our role is equipping our customers with the best possible tools to solve the really important things that matter to their business and to their people. And you know, we serve global customers. So this is very important to be deeply connected to what's critical for their business because not all parts of the globe are experiencing the same thing at the same time. My Shanghai team was shut down for the entire month of June, not even able to leave their homes. What matters to you as a human at that moment is very, very different than what matters to someone in the Bay Area competing or working in technology as an industry, right? Like these are very different lived experiences. And so this is why our customers informing us really, really deeply matters. Love that, thank you. We were you. totally gonna bark up the same tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you about this and you're talking about aligning product or solutions, but really aligning strategy and solutions to the outcomes that business and people need, which has all shifted. But but I think businesses are still trying to put their finger on, it's like trying to put your finger on something that keeps moving. I think organizations are still trying to figure out what they should be measuring, what they should be focusing on and how to take care of people. And it's not really for you to figure out, it's for you to ask and listen and surmise, and there's people who can tell you that, the people you're trying to serve. Um, but I think that's the the interesting crux of where we're at right now, this, I call it the humanization of work movement, call it what we will. It's sort of this whole realignment of what we're all here for and the role of HR in supporting that. Yeah, I think the pandemic actually helped us a little bit here to kind of get out of our own heads and get much more focused and recognize that what you need today is probably not what you need next week, what you need next year. So your point, Jason, about like what is business travel today and how that is different. And that's a point in time where we can imagine, you know, a year ago, it was probably completely dead at the airports. Now we have a situation where it's it's chaos because we got the mix wrong between staffing and um, and and demand. And then going forward, it's very unpredictable, right? We've got high prices of gasoline. We've got uh, supply chain challenges that come into all parts of the business. So to pretend like you are going to figure out something today, and that is going to be the thing that your people need from you for the next five years, 10 years, is sort of missing the entire point. And this is a place where technology really can help because the problem is dynamic, because people are dynamic, and the context in which we work is now much more visibly dynamic. It's actually always been dynamic, but organizations were allowed to pretend like it was just incrementally changing or whatever. But I think everybody's had this wake up call that that is dynamic as well. So when you, when you have this set of conditions where things are changing with me, things are changing with you know, the, the context of how my business makes money or, or shows up in the world, and then what's changing in the broader economic condition, you recognize what you need is actually the ability to change quickly. You need agility. You don't need a static solution. So pretending like you're solving for a problem is missing the point. What you're trying to solve for is opening up those um, tools for listening, for understanding, for making decisions, and then changing what you're doing based on the real needs in that moment for those teams, for that business condition. So 
Uh, just along those lines, and I want to tie in some, I'm going to try to tie together something that Oscar said, something that Damon said, and my next question. So you and I, and Jess, and a bunch of others on this call have been doing this for a long time, you know, long time. Um, where do you think we are today? Um, it's the same question I asked Josh Person a few weeks ago. Like, where do you think we are today? And as you're thinking about future capabilities that you build into products, you know, it's it's the thing du jour to say, oh, they're not visionary enough. Oh, they're not visionary enough. Oh, they're not visionary enough. Like, goodness sakes, like, how do you actually be visionary in a world where we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow? But when you think about that, like, where do you see customers today? And then how are you shaping where you're going into the future? Yeah, so this is like a big part of why I came to success factors. So those of you that have followed me in the past know I spent a lot of time in HR and HCM product lines, and then I left and I went and did some time in CX and I did some time at startup and I did some time in cybersecurity. I really kind of opened up to say, where is innovation happening overall and how can that inform? And then I came back to our industry. And the reason I came back is exactly to this point because we are now in a moment and i observed this before the pandemic but the pandemic just made it obvious for everyone we're in a moment where we actually have the perfect superset from a technology point of view and from a human expectation readiness market dynamic point of view that i have actually been waiting for for a long time um, you guys know we've been staring down the skills gap problem for my entire career. Yeah. We have been you know, trying very hard to create opportunities for people, to create learning and, and support this, these lifelong learning journeys for my entire career in this industry. But we never really had the right mechanics to mobilize each of us to do that in a way that really can work with the force and the dynamics of technology. Today, we have that. Today, we have the moment where the power shift to the individual is really happening and where the technologies can turn that into something that's productive both for organizations and for individuals. So the things that we're investing in with our whole self model, with our opportunity marketplace, these places of innovation, on their own, they're, they're mildly incremental in the sense that they're sort of things we've been thinking about for some time. But brought together with things like dynamic teams, we're putting the substructure, the foundation in place for this kind of agility to evolve. And instead of having to make it organizationally mandated agility, we can make it um, you know, user-generated agility. And that changes everything that creates the the foundation that we need to really deal with the dynamics that are that are facing us so from my point of view the whole reason i came back to success factors and to our industry was because of our hxm vision and mission of putting people at the center of business and recognizing the power that each of us have to really make things better to make things better for ourselves to make things better for our community for our families and for business. I really believe this is this is a unique moment and I'm like ready to seize it. Meg, uh, one of the things you said, user, say it again, user generated, what was the last thing? Oh last my goodness, quarter? you're expecting me to remember what I'm saying while I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so awesome, whatever you said. I was like, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to get the recording, but my, my general <laughs> point is the idea that each of us can create the conditions that not only improve our own learning, our own abilities, our own futures, but we can also help with the broader needs of our business for upskilling, for reskilling, for putting, you know, to moving and making talent mobility much, much more flexible and adaptable. And that, again, each piece is building upon something we've been doing, but it's doing it in a way that I think has is it opportunity to explode. And so that's why I think it's, it's yeah. an exciting moment. I love that. Jess, I want to read this one question from Aman, if I could, um, yeah. before you jump in. Aman um, said, enterprises focus on tech adoption with the lens of ROI 
instead of needs to be impact driven. For HRs, what shall we do to make the impact feel across the landscape? Um, and I'm just wondering if you think about some of the things that you're doing, you know, forget calling it HR analytics and measurement second, but you know, some of the things you're doing, how do we shift that focus from ROI to truly focusing on, you know, I won't come up with a new acronym, but you know, it's truly, how do you create meaning out of this instead of just the value or cost savings? Well, I think you do this better than anyone, Jason. I know your organization is in there every day helping companies, but the way I see it is that you really need to think in terms of a yes and, right? And so, yes, the ROI of a system does matter. You need to make sure that you can create the condition that you'll get organization support and financial support for your business case. So. Trying to say that doesn't matter is only a recipe for HR leaders to lose their CFO's uh, love and attention. And I don't want to ever uh, create that opportunity. But what I'm committed to do is to make sure that while having a solid sort of business case for the core pieces and the platform pieces, we're helping to make sure that each step you take helps you deliver on those broader goals of deeper human connection, better workforce and workplace experiences. All of these things, again, I think they're very complementary, but they do require additional work. And this is where your uh, you know, leadership is so helpful in your in LeapGen in general of helping to connect the dots between what are you working on and what are the business outcomes you're going to see and how do those outcomes help today and how do those outcomes also help set you up for the things you're going to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after that and i think again when we move away from the idea that that this is a static problem i think it becomes really really simple then to understand that the roi for solving a very dynamic problem with a very static solution is a very very narrow window <laughs> but the roi for solving a dynamic problem with a dynamic solution opens up opportunity. And I think that's the way to look at it. And that's the way to talk about it. So there's one, uh, you talked earlier about the, um, the supply chain. Let's talk about the people supply chain issue. There's one thing that's driving me absolutely nuts right now. And that is the fact that organizations, we seem to see this little cycle playing out, a little mini cycle based on macro conditions. Uh, companies who, who were fortunate enough to hire ahead of demand or to really invest in talent and growth as part of their business growth, some of those organizations as we speak are having oh shit moments because uh, they got too fat and now they're shedding talent, just shedding not repurposing, not redeploying, right. or they're, they're just shedding blindly too. They're not really looking at who they should keep in the organization or who could be redeployed based on the skills you're talking about. This is the thing that drives me nuts. Instagram and Amazon know more about your workforce than you do. I guarantee it. Show me one organization that has more people intelligence than those two consumer platforms just as examples. How do we how do we fix this, Meg? You're like, you lead product for one of the most incredible technology organizations in the world. How do we fix this? Because everything else depends on it. Yeah. So first off, the way I'm starting to talk about this and think about this is really people sustainability. Because there's multiple dimensions, but they all fall into this. When, of course, we look at our ESG reporting and our uh, global compliance, we're thinking in terms of diversity, equality, opportunity, et cetera, right? When we think about internal mechanics of understanding the build by partner piece of humans, right, which is what you're talking about, sort of the supply mm -hmm. chain and the broader global network of talent, I think there's a couple core things you really need to think about. One is at any level, and I just want to make sure we don't like just spend time on technology and forget that we have a part in this entire story. At any level, we should be thinking about overall talent development and growth. We should be thinking about it for ourselves. We should be thinking about it for our teams, our organizations, and our broader community. Because we all recognize all of our skills become obsolete very, very quickly if we don't. Yeah. And we need to put uh, things in place to make that happen. We also need to recognize 
that there, there's emerging tools that can truly, truly help. So this is why I'm so excited about things like our opportunity marketplace and our dynamic teams, because maybe you can think about redeploying talent when there is a shift in the business need more effectively, more quickly. You can do that not just by top-down mandate, but you could also do that from bottoms up um, initiative. And that's what's beautiful about the opportunity marketplace is it creates that, uh, that set of uh, foundation to balance demand and supply, to help me raise my hand, to suggest and to push so that I as an individual can push forward. But then it creates the data understanding, which is what you're talking about when you say Instagram knows more about your workforce the data understanding of where are the emerging skills, where are the emerging business needs, what are those broader set of organizational capabilities that we have, and where are we lacking, and what do we do about it? Do we think about doing that with you know, external help? Do we think about um, you know, talent acquisition? Or do we think about talent development or some of all three? And hint, the answer has to be some of all three because the math does not work any other way if you're yeah. really talking about people sustainability, right? Yeah. So to me, it's very obvious that all of these kind of tumultuous moments in our economy and in our workplace, these are opportunities that we as an organization need to seize and we need to seize it quickly. Because if we keep pretending that we can hire and let go and hire and let go and hire and let go, and that that doesn't impact our reputation as an employer, and that doesn't impact our reputation, <clears throat> excuse me, as someone who is a place that people want to work, we're kidding mm -hmm. ourselves. People see it. They know it. It's our yeah. job to make sure. And even when people leave to get new skills, it's our job as leaders to say this is a good thing if there's opportunity created, if they've developed skills working for us that are valuable overall. This is the way we need to think more long-term and more sustainable about how we think about skilling. I'm gonna yes and you. I wanna connect a really important dot for people because I get asked all the time to talk about DEI strategy. And I say, what DEI strategy? You mean your people strategy? Same thing. So what you just said with talent development and people sustainability, that is your DEI strategy. It is not a separate thing. They're the same set of objectives. Any other dots you want to connect? Yeah, there? I want to add one more because this is where we're going to like the really interesting bits. Yeah. When you're talking about developing new skills, opening up yourself to trying new jobs, talent mobility, there's a really key piece here that is tied to your DEI strategy. And that is the, the kind of core ethos of belonging. If I do not feel I belong, I'm not going to raise my hand for those interesting opportunities. I'm not going to put myself out there and stretch myself to learn something new because that might in include failure. And organizationally, what does that do when you cause everybody to step back as opposed to step forward to help you solve your big problems? So to pretend that your DEI strategy is not core to how you respect and create opportunity for your people and how you create you know, the conditions that your people are making a big impact on your business, you're missing the entire plot. So again, to me, diversity of ideas matters for um, creating the workplace we all want to live. But opportunity, equality of opportunity matters for yeah. you know, getting the workforce to the level that we need them all to be. And that is yeah. a multidimensional problem, but it's also a huge opportunity. You know, Meg, one of the things that is fascinating to me about this whole world of HR technology is we used to focus on transactions and you and I sharing on a fourth floor, you know, at PeopleSoft back in the day where we focused on transactions. The stuff we're talking about now is so much about feeling and, you know, and getting the fact that we're still looking at the same data for the most part, weirdly, that we were before. Now we're actually doing something with it that actually drives things. And, you know, you had two tweets that as I was doing a little bit of research for the show here, you know, one of your tweets said that uh, you thought your glasses was, <coughs> excuse me, you thought your glasses were causing a pain on your nose only to find out it was a zit. That just made me laugh forever. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for making sure everybody gets to see that one. I appreciate yes, that. That's not my one that I wanted to bring yeah, up. That was my real leadership moment, Brian, just so you know. But the one that I loved was this concept about friendships and what you just said, which friendships tie back to belonging, which tie back to, you know, why we do all of this stuff. And, 
you know, I think that there's people that sell software. Actually, let me rephrase. I know there's people that sell software that have a really hard time creating the connection between a transactional HR, let me just say it, IS, or maybe we could say HCM, or maybe we say HXM, and humanity. And I think we've started some of that conversation here, but is there any tips that, because I mean, we work with organizations that are trying to create the business case for so long. Sorry, I brought up the zip thing now. <laughs> um, it was just one of those funny tweets that I jotted down. Yes. But the, the uh, when we think about that, like, what do you tell your salespeople and what do you tell this? I mean, Bob just said in the past was systems of record versus systems of engagement, which I love that as well. But mm -hmm. how do you help make that case? I mean, you're still a software vendor that's to sell software. So, you know, and, and, and service your customers. How do you help people understand that they probably haven't seen the power of a true human experience platform? Yeah. So a, a couple things. Um, first off, I, I think it gets back to the core mission, right? And so when we said, hey, we are not just HCM, we're HXM, it's not because we don't think HCM is important. Again, back to my point, you want to screw up engagement, um, the best way to do it is to mess up your payroll, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so we have to recognize that getting the basics right matters. And our customers remind me this every single day. They, they're very clear that the basics are table stakes for them, but their mission, their, the, you know, their reason d'etre, the reason that they show up is because they want to improve the worker experience at their organizations. That's what HR leaders are about. You're, you're even seeing more people describe their role as people in culture versus just CHRO because they see that as kind of the core that drives everything. What we're in a special position about at Success Factors is that we have customers that are past the basics. Um, of course, not everyone. We've had, you know, just this first half, we've had 850 customers go live, right? So this is an ongoing yeah. journey for everyone. But we have a large number of customers that are past the basics and are really leaning in to these topics we've talked about, to the idea of diversity and belonging, to the idea that understanding and being able to quantify what your both your investments and your focus are as an HR organization, being able to take feedback from individuals about how is it going, being able to adapt in real time to the needs of your workforce, even as conditions change day in and day out. Do you, are you in the office? Are you not in the office? You know, do you have the, the raw materials you need to do your job? Or are you waiting around? You know, what are you doing in that in-between time? And these are the places that I feel we're in a, a unique situation here at Success Factors and why it's so important to me, because our customers are ready to lean in and to start showing those value points at a much deeper level. And of course, we have some that are just getting started, but they're, they're not like the paths are there. The opportunities are there. The innovation is building upon things they've already started to work towards. And that's the advantage of cloud and SaaS, right? Like you get the foundation in and you can keep building and you don't have to change every single thing. It can be additive. And, and as a technology provider, that's what matters to us because what we need is to make sure that our customers can get access to this when they're ready recognizing not all regions are ready for the same things. You know, in North America, pronouns are super important and we're making sure that that's highly visible and, and available. In parts of Asia, that's still not the thing that they're, they're thinking or talking about. But the individuals are all part of that broader thing. And it's our job as a provider to make that, um, to make that easy for our customers to, to forward their initiatives in a way that really shows those business outcomes, creates that strong business case. And what my goal is, and it's it's not a secret, my goal is to make sure that those ROI conversations are strategic ones. They're strategic ones. 
not just a very narrow technology focused for the sake of technology, but tied to really being able to help an organization become more resilient, become more dynamic, become more empowering and create growth for everyone. Because again, I think that spans multiple companies. I think that is something that that I'm wanting to see happen in our world in general, this idea of people mattering and that technology is an empowerment tool for people is, is really important to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to get to this now because we, we might need a little time for it, Steve. I'm coming for your two things. Steve gives us a disclaimer, Steve Hunt. Thank you for being here. That he is with SAP. So, but but these are really important questions coming. If you guys don't know Steve Hunt, please follow him because he's a futurist when it comes to this stuff. He wants to take you in two places, Meg. You pick ONA. Why aren't we doing more organizational network analysis? I like the set you pick, but I like his mm -hmm. second question. When are we going to achieve the ultimate dream of integrating HR, product design for HR technology systems, with all of the non-HR systems that also exist in business and the workplace? Yeah. And what can that do for us? Why is that the dream? Right. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll start with the second one and see if I have time to get to the, the network analysis, because I think that's... Uh, um, I maybe a, a little bit more forward looking in some sense. The the connecting up of the employee experience. So we in HR have been very keen to say that the the HR functions are the beginning and end of a worker life cycle, right? Because that's the piece we own and that's the part that we're driving, et cetera, et cetera. And that is, you know, as a worker, as an employee, that is not actually the lived experience, right? facilities matter, uh, you know, sort of how do I travel if I if I get to travel for work? How do I how do I understand broader policies? What about my interaction with my line of business? And, and you know, sort of if I'm on the shop floor, what about my day to day work? Right. Like these things are uh, they're supported by HR, but they're not HR systems. Right. They're technology systems across the broader enterprise. So. My point of view is that this is, again, a bright spot in general where we are seeing the opportunity for better, more modern experiences for, for each of us across the board, whether our job is finance, whether our job is shop floor, whether, you know, to think about our job as a critical thing. And I think more of the conversations we're having, at least at SAP, because, of course, we provide lots of these solutions are really about that end to end user experience and the interconnectedness of it. And so, of, of course, we're thinking about this both as what does it mean when you're using a lot of SAP products, but also what does it mean if you're using non-SAP products? And then what does it mean for hybrid experiences? And so these are places that we invest more than any other competitor because we have, um, you know, sort of a bigger expectation in our customer base, but also because our vision can be more comprehensive. We're not just an HR provider. We are a technology provider for global business. Um, so this is this is sort of deeply embedded in who we are, and it doesn't just go to the pieces that are, you know, kind of the traditional technologies, but also innovations that are happening in our partner ecosystem, et cetera. So these are all places that that we probably think about more than most. So Steve is right that in our our world, that's that's a big part of our conversation, and technology helps with that. To to say the network analysis, I would just go one step further. Network analysis is one example of useful information data can help you understand about people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am interested to think about the, the relationship and the ownership of my data relationships across. I am not interested in, in building or creating systems that, that individuals don't own or don't have a say or understanding of how they're used or where they're used. And I'm certainly not interested in creating systems for spying on people or diminishing their agency as an individual. So when we think about how we're, we're looking at data overall, we're really leaning into the ethics of this, the, the transparency of this, and then the opportunity. And I do believe there's huge opportunity in understanding networks where we're going after it most interestingly in the short term is this concept of dynamic teams, recognizing that work is happening in interesting ways in dynamic teams, 
dynamic teams are change agents, dynamic teams are initiative builders and creators, and these places are, are kind of blind spots for HR systems. So we want to elevate the idea that work happens outside of your siloed org structure, and we want to celebrate that great and most interesting things happen when people come together from different functions, because that's how you bring creativity, problem solving, and a broader set of expertise to solve problems more quickly. So these are places that we're, we're thinking about with that. So much to do, so little time, Meg. What an exciting time to be in our industry, honestly. Like Great. there's enough work for everyone to, like we can't do it fast enough. Jason. Hey Meg, question. Yes. yes. So January 1st, you pinned something on Twitter. You know what I mean? Ah, my word. <laughs> and you do not find the happy life. You make it. You Oof, do not find that. the happy life. You make it. And I think it's amazing. Um, and uh, I just, as someone who I respect so much, I'd love for you to share just the human side of that. Um, what do you do to make that happy life? So this is such such an important thing. And, and the, the ethos of this or the genesis of this was like, I try to give myself a grounding word for each new year. And what I've come to find is that sometimes I, I actually need to hold it for a couple of years before I feel like it's served its purpose for me. And I went into this year knowing we have a lot that we're doing in our business. We, uh, Those of you that uh, maybe don't know, we're doing a huge infrastructure investment this year. Um, kind of one of the biggest things I've ever done in my career. It's going smashingly, but it's a, it's a ton of work. Um, and we have a lot of complexity in our you know, world. And I wanted to create a space to remind myself of the possibility, the opportunity and the joy and so I, I try to, to create systems for that because um, I find it helpful. And so for me personally, I am very prone to working hard and not picking my head up. I'm very prone to um, going inward versus, you know, spending time outwards and recharging my energy. And I'm trying to um, invite myself to be a little bit more spontaneous. I wouldn't give myself credit for being wildly spontaneous. A little bit more intentional about doing things that uh, renew me so that I can have the resilience that I need personally to go forward. Um, my kids are older, so I'm trying to also use this as an opportunity to understand how that changes the opportunities for us. So I went with my girls to Paris um, mm. this uh, last summer, which was really exciting. I went to a live concert last week, which, um, Oh my goodness, I forgot how much uh, music really just, you know, brings us all together and how much joy that brings. And I'm really trying to remind myself that this is a journey. This is um, for me personally, that for me to do what matters in this world, I need I need all of the the personal resilience that I can have. So, um, so that's, that's what it means to me. One other question I have, and uh, I don't want to get too personal, I uh, hope it's not, but I, I told you about my zit. Is there anything more? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I tweeted something earlier today, and just you know was part of the call, and it was a, like it was a really simple tweet, and all I said is, um, I work with the smartest people in the world. Hmm. That was the end. Like, and yeah. all I said because I was on a call. I'm like, I am humbled by this, and I actually think you work with the smartest people I in too. the world as I well do. um i mean if you look at some of the people like the amy wilson's of the world and the aaron greens of the world and the marianne like, abage all marianne of my abage. team like, directs yeah it's amazing uh, you know i i, I mean how <laughs> i don't even know how to ask the question how do you like how do you not like every morning just wake up and say like this is amazing that i actually get to work with these people or do you say that I do say that. I say that so often. And to be honest, I would just remind us all that every one of us has the opportunity to be amazing or to potentially not every single day, right? Like each of us, 
I can be an amazing, inspiring person or a complete asshole. We all know this. This is the kind of point, I believe, is that recognizing the brilliance around us is important. Recognizing why each of us are brilliant. In which context are we brilliant and in which context are we not brilliant? I'll give you an example. Don't ever, ever ask me to navigate you anywhere. I have a huge sense of direction disability and I will get all everybody lost. Even people that are great at it somehow manage to get lost in my presence. So, you know, like you got to know where, where your brilliance is and you really have to make that available to the broader world. So um, each of you, every single person have more to contribute, have more to bring, are amazing. Make that obvious to everyone around you and celebrate the amazingness of the people that you work with because it makes work better, it makes life better, it makes you better. It makes you a better human when you remind yourself that everybody around you has amazing gifts that you do not have and it is your job to learn what they are and to appreciate them for it. Mm. I love that. Oh, we made Anne green. I love it. <laughs> okay, Meg. I love you, Anne. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Meg, tell us about that. Tell us about the song. Oh, okay. Uh, we're gonna play a little. We're gonna play a little walk-off song at the end here. Yeah. The same so artist. you asked so me for you asked me for a song. I have tons of songs I love. Obviously, I uh, music really inspires me but I wanted to pick something that not only elevated my mood today, but also kind of represented what I think matters. <laughs> and so uh, so that's why I picked that one. It's not like it's an artist I follow or anything like that. I actually um, am part of a, a dance community and this is one of our uh, kind of um, uh, stretch songs at the end. And I always have found it to be like, just takes me, to, it reminds me that it's together that that um, that we can do this and whatever this is and so um, so that's that's the gift I wanted to give today I wanted to bring some love to um, myself and to all of you and um, to remind us all that this stuff matters. You must practice yoga. That's a very yoga mindset. I do not as much as I should, but uh, I do some meditation as well. But yeah, I just try to. That's that's the meta at the end. That's putting it back out in the world. I absolutely love that, Meg. And I love that you were our guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, Meg. Love you. Thank you. Take care. We're going to walk off with that. We're going to walk off with that same song. Jess, mm. I just have to say good luck on your race next week. Thank you. Um, I'll try to check in. 200 miles is a long way to run with Whew. by yourself. I know it's a team, <laughs> all right? Team. Remember, team. That's that's Remember the key team. to anything. So I uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Um, another fascinating, amazing guest. Um, we'll talk. We'll send out the information. But thank you guys, and thank you, Meg, again, and the entire team at uh, Success Factors. Appreciate it, guys. Love everyone. Take care. Have a great weekend.